Dude, shout out to a simpler time in America when all of us were captivated by the California raisins. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. You old lady! Ed Graney. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Summer edition, 45 days late. What do you think of the new open? (laughs) It's been summer for a while. At least it's been 100 degrees out for a while. I think Jared's going for like it's it's officially the offseason of everything. Yeah. I think that's what he's going for. Which, by the way, on that note, thank God for USC and UCLA. Because what on earth would we be talking about if it wasn't for them? Well, good luck to the boys next week. Because you and I are off the entire week. And if this expansion thing doesn't happen in terms of more teams going to more conferences, uh, it'll be back to uh, what, what do you talk about at that point? Because that is a that is a hard week next week. And we'll be and off. I think we strategically looked at the calendar and said, Very you know, there's good. nothing going on whatsoever next week, so we might as well take the week off. Very good work by, by yes. us. What? And how the hell did we do sports radio during the pandemic? Well, we were both at home, like, uh, but I don't remember what we did or how we talked about it. I don't either, but there were no sports for like, like we went like, what, five or six yeah. months? Like, what the hell did we do for three, I have day, no three hours every day? I don't know what we do for three hours now. Never mind. <laughs> That's when, a good uh, point. Never, never mind when, um, when there's nothing going on. That was a long time, wasn't it? I just remember being on clean feet every day, like yeah. getting up and walking to the office and logging in and Jared saying, are you there? And half the time, me muting. Remember, remember in Clean Feet, I couldn't really understand it. And half the time, I was muted. You were muted quite a lot on Clean Feet. <laughs> you, you did. Uh, you caused a couple of sound bites for a, quite a few opens. Oh, really? Feet. Oh, yeah. I did on other, not other shows. No, no, just no, this one. They're not. They're not stealing my uh, muting sound. But that's back when, uh, you know, hey, we lost her, but uh, Ellie May was still around. The uh, the Shih Tzu and. She would go crazy like Tyler's dog sometimes, so I'd have to mute myself, and then I'd forget that I was muted. And then <laughs> Tyler would bring us back, and I'd be like, hello, hello, and I'd be screaming in, in my computer because I thought, oh, the laptop's not working. Something's not happening, and uh, I was muted. Yeah, it happens. I, I Actually, my favorite was when your AirPods died. Oh. And, and that just meant everything broke for you at once. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Just AirPods died, and it's like your entire day was over. And that's like when your AirPods die, you hear this, and it's like, oh, my God, what happened? What what, what happened there? And then the laptop was going. The volume was going. Thank God we're back to it. The first bite. Is the Big 12 going to end the Pac-12? So do you remember when the WAC decided to add teams, and I think they got up to 18 Remember those days? With yeah, the and it, with eighteen teams, it didn't work. Louisiana then. Tech and Hawaii were in the same yeah. conference. It didn't really work then because it was the whack. But I think for the reasons the Big Twelve might be adding teams and trying to get out of the Pac twelve, it has a much better chance because it's already a Power Five of working here if they keep adding these teams. And I think they're trying to get out ahead of the Pac twelve for media rights, organi- for media rights um, contracts, and really uh, reading Dennis Dodd's story from the Big Twelve sources. They need to expand to keep up with things. 
Yeah, so Dennis Dodd's story was that the Big 12 is in negotiations to add up to six Pac-12 schools. And those six schools are Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, and Washington. Uh, If you're counting the numbers up, the Big 12 were to do that. It would be an 18-team conference. 18. It would also leave four left over in the Pac-12. No one's talking about those four schools. Uh, Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State. Dennis Dodd's story. Dennis Dodd story uh, one Big Twelve source said everything is on the table. Also, there is no question the Big Twelve has to be aggressive in expansion. Uh, another source said, "I almost feel like the Big Twelve being interested in adding six Pac-12 schools." is less about what's good for the Big 12 and more about just simply eliminating the Pac-12 yeah, just, as an opponent. Just taking them out. Just right. taking, the, taking the Pac-12 out of, out, of, out of commission. Because I think what you're seeing is there's clearly the top two, right? The SEC and the Big 10. Mm-hmm. And the rest of these power conferences are now looking around saying, oh, we... We need to survive, and we need to be – we're not going to be the SEC or the Big Ten, but we need to be as close to them as possible. And there's probably not enough spots left for the Big 12, the ACC, and the Pac-12 to all survive as sort of a second-tier power conference. There might only be room for two. So if you're the Big 12 right now, 18-team conference doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense does you know adding all of those Pac-12 schools really do a lot for you? Do you need both Arizona schools? Probably not. But if you were to guarantee, hey, we survive and the Pac-12 doesn't, then they should absolutely make that move. Yeah, I'm seeing some reasons in the story, like uh, regional uh, regional ability to schedule, bring Utah back in with uh, BYU, who's in the big, who's going to be in the Big 12 now, the Arizona schools, bringing the Phoenix market. But I think you're right. I think it's more to eliminate the Pac-12. And, like I said, as Dennis wrote, to get a jump start on this meteorite seal because the poor Pac-12 continue to say that they've got a 30-day exclusive window <laughs> with ESPN and Fox, and we're still asking, what are you selling? You've lost the two Southern California schools. What are you selling when you step into that meeting room with the likes of ESPN and, and start selling your conference? Where if the Big 12 uh, expands and takes these teams and tries to get to the ESPN first, I think they have a much better chance of getting a rights deals more than the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, I would I would assume so at this point. Um, on the Pac-12 potentially sort of dying out here, right? I mean, if they lose six schools to the Big 12, I don't know what you would call it, the Pac-4 at that point, but that's not really a conference. If that were to happen, uh, the Mountain West benefits from that, right? Well, who else would? I mean, these I, these schools have to go somewhere, and they're not going to be a four team conference. And no, no one is. I mean, no one is talking about Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State. Nobody. They have not <laughs> been in one report that anybody wants them. So, I don't know where else they would go. I don't know what else they would do. In, unless is it the other way around? And I don't think it would be. Those four say let's start inviting teams. But again, you're just going to end up like the Mountain West anyway, with a bunch of with four leftover Pac-12 schools. Yeah, like if you were. If you were those four Pac-12 schools and you got left behind, I guess technically you could say, hey, we're going to remain the Pac-12 and we're going to go take eight teams from the Mountain West. And elsewhere. Right. But like at that point, is that very much different from those four just joining the current Mountain West? 
Not really. Like you just, no. you'd end up with four Mountain West, current Mountain West schools that would get left yeah. out. So like, I don't know, San Jose State, San Jose State Utah State, maybe New Wyoming, Mexico. And New, yeah, like that, like four schools would get screwed out of the Mountain West. But if you're the four teams left in the Pac-12, you don't care about that. But ultimately, if the Big 12 raids the Pac-12 to that extent, if they take six of them, right, if they take one or two, the Pac-12 is still holding on, right? But if they take six, then the then we're talking about some sort of Mountain West Pac-12 uh, merger to some extent. And maybe the Mountain West is the one that dies because eight of its members join the yeah, new Pac-12. Yeah, exactly. But either way, like from a UNLV standpoint, UNLV is going to be involved either with adding the Pac-12 schools or they'll be one of the eight that go to the new Pac-12. Either way, it's going to be a uh, either a very watered-down version of the Pac-12 or a beefed-up version of the Mountain West. And either way, it's going to be the sixth best fifth best it'll it'll be right there with the aac still as sort of kind of be the, it won't kind of be conference. the same yeah it, basically you'll basically just have eliminated you'll have eliminated one of the power conferences ahead of you right is basically what will have happened in that scenario so if you're the mountain west right now i think you kind of yeah. want the pac-12 to get picked off like i think you want the big 12 to do this because that would eliminate the Pac-12 kind of is a conference, right? And would eliminate you could go the Pac-12 teams, right? And would eliminate the Pac-12 from adding your teams because right. right now the worst case scenario is the Pac-12 decides to add four Mountain West teams, and all of a sudden the worst Mountain case West, scenario for the Mountain West, right? And all of a sudden the Mountain West loses San Diego State, Boise State, UNLV, and Colorado State, or whoever it is. Like that's worst case scenario for the Mountain West because then are you putting together a conference where? Utah State and Fresno State are your best schools. Right. Like, that's just not a very good conference. So, I think if you're the Mountain West, you're secretly you're, you're whatever you can do to help the Big Twelve. You're trying to help the Big Twelve add these six schools because that would make your life and a lot easier. I think you're kind of hoping the Big Twelve, and I don't think they would, wouldn't want some of your schools over Pac-12 schools. I don't think they would at all. I right. think they want. I think they want the Pac-12 schools. As a, right. finally, Oregon is being mentioned in some reports. We talked about it yesterday, where we were surprised that no one was mentioning Oregon. And of all those schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, I'd begin the list with Oregon. And yeah. for whatever reason, until now, they haven't been on this list, but now they are with these six potential teams going to the Big 12. I think if you're the Big 12, there is a legitimate argument for San Diego State to be ahead of some of those other Pac-12 schools. Like, I think you could legitimately make the argument, hey, you don't need both Arizona schools. You should take one Arizona school and San Diego State. But... Again, I think one of the key points here isn't doing exactly what's best for the Big 12. It's doing what's worse for the Pac-12. Right, eliminate so, them as a conference. Right. So you survive and they don't. And San Diego State doesn't help you eliminate the Pac-12 no. at all. So take as many of those Pac-12 schools as you can and leave the and leave the Pac-12 on life support. If that. I mean, if there are four teams left, I don't. I don't even know what what that would be at that point. I mean, so, it's one of two things, right? They drop down, like you said, or they try to add a bunch of Mountain West teams. But then, you, you, the only difference is you're calling your conference a different name, right? Exactly, it's the exact same conference. It's just a matter who's the commissioner, Craig Thompson or George Kliakoff, right? I mean, that's, George. Yeah, <laughs> it's listen. Is he about to have the worst tenure as a yeah, conference I, commissioner he, ever? And he's supposedly done a lot of good things for the league, and now it's just falling apart for the guy. The league might not exist. Yeah, it might not exist anymore. He might want Craig Thompson to take over, come back to Vegas, and get back in the casino industry. 
Man, he leaves. Oh, power conference commissioner. Things are going to be great. We just print money. Oh, our entire conference just just left. It's me and Oregon State looking at each other like, <laughs> well, what do we do now, guys? Like, oh, that's that is rough. Which, but do you feel bad at all for like Stanford? Uh, I don't know who I feel bad for. I don't know if I feel bad for anybody. I think it's kind of doggy dog, and this is the world we're in, and. You know, if you're part of the expansion, you are. If you're not, you have to, you know, you have to fend for yourself. I mean, obviously, these teams, I mean, the lo- <laughs> loyalty's been out the window for a long time. These these Arizona, Arizona States, they're jumping in a second. They don't care. Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, they're not going to get left behind. So I'm not sure I feel sorry for anyone, but I don't think either of us are surprised. The Washington States, Oregon States, Cows, maybe I'm a little surprised because of their their athletic program and their academics and everything. Stanford's not involved with these talks or at least reported is not, but I don't think I feel sorry for them. I'm just a little surprised given how good they are athletically for years. They won that director's cup. I mean, they had the best overall athletic department in the country. We know about the academics, but I guess I'm not surprised that they're among these, these four teams, especially Washington state and Oregon state. I don't think that surprises anybody. I think the funniest part is um, that Oregon and Washington are not even considering their in-state rivals. Like no, they are no, ready, no. ready to dump them at a moment's yeah, they're notice. They're ready to go. Like there's always been sort of this in-state rivalry. Hey, you got to help us out. But like Oregon and Washington are like, we do not know you. We yeah, have no, yeah. we have no interest. No allegiance in you. whatsoever. No, thank you. If the Big Ten calls us, we will not be playing right. you ever again. Sorry. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA because is Kevin Durant going to end up playing for the Toronto Raptors? The Nets, they pick up TJ Warren today. They're making moves and they're doing things this offseason with, in their mind, the preparation and operation as if they're bringing these two guys back next season and playing with these two guys. Now, I I think they're open in dialogue and they're open to teams like Toronto, Phoenix, Miami making offers. But until they get that price threshold met, which I'm told is all-star type players, a boatload of draft picks, they're not going to move. This is what they're telling teams. We're not going to move Kevin Durant until the price is met. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. That was Sham Sharnia talking about the Brooklyn Nets who have traded for Royce O'Neal, gave up a first-round pick. They just signed TJ Warren. Like, they're adding sort of the secondary pieces to a team that could contend if you have the primary stars. Um, do you do you believe the Nets could actually do that? Basically just say, yep, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving I mean, are under contract. You're on the team. They could do that. What kind of response are you going to get from the two stars? Especially Durant, who's, you know, demanded a trade. Yeah, I mean, Irving, I think. Well, who knows with him? Well, that's that's true. I was going to say, I, I think he would definitely end up playing because he tried to get a sign and trade out of Brooklyn, couldn't get it done, so opted into his player option. I don't think there's any real threat that Irving would not play this year for the Nets if they don't trade him. But the Kevin, here's the part that's interesting about Kevin Durant. He's under contract for, what is it, three or no, four he's, more he's, seasons? No, he's under contract for four more years. So, like... In the NBA, it's so player-driven. More than any other sport that we have, the players drive what happens in that sport. I mean, compare it to football, where Aaron Rodgers spent like two whole years trying to force his way out of Green Bay. And guess what? He's still a Packer. He's going to be a Packer until he retires. So, like, 
that and he's like one of the most powerful players in the NFL. Meanwhile, guys can force trades all the time in the NBA, but without any opt-outs, if the Brooklyn Nets said, we're not trading Kevin Durant, he's got to play for them, right? Like, yeah. there's no way he could sit out multiple well, seasons, Exactly. Right? For, you're going to sit out four years? I mean, he might not be happy about it, and he might have a lot to say about it, but he's going to have to play. He can't refuse to play. I mean, I guess he could refuse to play, but w- what would that get him? Right. It, like, we saw John Wall did it with the Houston Rockets, right? John Wall just did not play this entire last season despite being healthy. Didn't want to play for the Rockets. But John Wall is not a guy that could end up as one of the 10 best basketball players of all time. John Wall is not, at least from what we've seen, somebody who cares a lot about what people think of his legacy and think of him like Kevin Durant. I just, like, can you imagine if Kevin Durant, if the Nets did not trade Durant and basically said, you're playing for us, can you imagine the discourse around Kevin Durant if he actually decided to sit out a season? Like, if he said, okay, I'm not playing for the Nets this year. Yeah. Like, he'd get crushed for that. And I don't think Kevin Durant's signing up for that. Well, I don't exactly. We've talked about how insecure he is and how much he cares about what people think. If he sat out and the media just crushed him, he wouldn't be able to handle it. He can't handle it now. He can't handle it when he, he's on. He's still on Twitter. Whether it's media personalities, whether it's fans, he interacts with people against any negativity towards him. And you're saying what, what's he makes forty plus, and he's going to sit out and 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 he he's a forty million dollar player. He, he would get destroyed, and I don't think his psyche can take that. So if you're the Nets, is your best option to not trade them and have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and then some of these other pieces they've been adding I mean, and say, we're, we're making a run of the title this you year, If you want to win, if you want to win, it is. Uh, I, I saw a story the other day that was um, interesting in terms of the owner, Joseph Tsai, and he said, and I, I don't know if I believe this, that instead of all the drama of last year, he's the sort of guy who says, you know what, if we got to move him, we got to move him. I'd rather have a normal team and not have the drama and win 40 games. I don't think any owner thinks that way, but it was a pretty interesting story. I don't know if it's in The Athletic or, or about about a feature about him where he's kind of a different dude when it comes to this kind of stuff. And he was saying that he didn't like the drama of last year. He doesn't want to go through that again. I still, when, pu- when push comes to shove, I still believe you know owners want to win championships. But I thought that was interesting, and yet I still believe if they force Durant to play, he's going to have to play, and whether there's drama or not, that gives them the best chance to win a championship if these two guys stay. I think if you take Kyrie Irving, uh, you'd much rather not deal with the drama of Kyrie Irving and lose his talent. I think you're perfectly fine with that, and I think most NBA teams would be fine with that. But Kevin Durant's a different conversation. Like, whatever drama there is with Kevin Durant, I think you're going to be willing to put up with it Mm -hmm. because of how good Kevin Durant is. And we see that with, you know, so many teams being interested in trading for him. Nobody, it's Kevin Durant. Nobody really cares what drama comes with Kevin Durant. Having Kevin Durant on your team makes you a contender. So I think, yeah, that might apply to Kyrie Irving. Like, oh, I'd rather have two other guys that try hard and play 82 games than Kyrie Irving, but I don't think that's accurate for Kevin Durant. You're going to take Kevin Durant no, over. I mean, his drama is self-inflicted. Right, over basically all but five or six other guys in the NBA right. at this point. So you're going to put up with that. I just, I'm curious to see sort of what the Nets do and what's best 
like do the nets operate from this just a simple standpoint of hey what's best for us kevin durant on this team contending for a title or trading him away and trading him away is probably not best unless you get an unbelievably ridiculous trade offer which is according to that sham sharnia sound sounds like is what they're holding out for two all-star players and like three four five first round picks like obviously if somebody offered that you look at it and say huh this might be worth it to trade kevin Durant." but i do wonder if the nets simply yeah sure kevin you want to be traded but uh we don't have to you're well, under contract it goes for a back long to the time. original point he's got four years left right if it was one it's one thing he wants to sit out like john wall okay he'd still get crushed and i don't know if he would do that because of how kind of like i said insecure he comes off as but four years is a really long time and he's not going to sit out two, three, four years. So he's going to have to play if they bring them back. And, you know, I look, he's like you say, he's one of the top ten players. I don't think it would affect his play to where he wouldn't try to be as great as Kevin Durant is. But, you know, he could be saying things on the side and, and talking about it. I just I think they I think at this point they bring them back because I'm not so sure some of these teams would actually go for this in terms of what they'd have to give up. A lot of teams don't like have it. Like a lot of well, teams yeah, don't two have all stars and five for well they have the picks right, but like it's like the amount of teams that could actually make that work is is extremely low. And so this was an interesting one. Mark Spears reported that the Warriors uh, were interested in trading for Kevin Durant, and they have a package of players that they could somehow offer to combo of Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and then their two young guys they're hoping on get better in Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman. There's a you could make a decent package out of that plus a bunch of picks there. How funny would it well, be if Kevin Durant got traded back to Golden State? It'd be funny, but let me ask you this: Why would they do that? They just won it. I, I know it's get? Kevin Durant. I know it's Kevin Durant. I get that. I get that part. But you know what you did with Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins, and you think these you think uh, uh, Kaminga and Wiseman are going to get better? I just, I mean, I know it's I know who you're talking about. One of the ten greatest players ever, but. I just won the title with these guys. Am I racing to break this thing up? I mean, maybe because it's Durant, but that was the first thing I thought of when I saw this deal is they just won the title with these guys. I think if you if you were the Warriors and you made that trade, your objective is we are going to win three straight titles. We are going to three-peat here, and we're going to cement ourselves as this like ultra dynasty of the NBA, right? Everybody's going to remember the Golden State Warriors, whereas right now the Warriors might win the title again, but it's certainly they might be the favorites, but there's certainly a legitimate chance the Warriors don't win it next year. If they added Kevin Durant and they just said, all right, for the next three, four seasons, we've got Durant, Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson. We're winning three in a row. I think that would be the objective there. Basically saying, let's make this a legitimate dynasty, not just a, hey, we need seven things to go our way in the postseason for us to win another one. Yeah, which, I mean, there's probably a better chance because you and I have talked about, I mean, the West, it's going to be tough for them to get out of the West next year, even if they don't do anything. Yeah. Um, the Clippers, if they're healthy, there's other teams that people, you know, uh, are saying are going to be better or at least as good. And I guess if you add Durant, you go to, you know, you stay at the top of of the odds. I just, you know, again, that that's a lot of guys to give up. But you might be right in terms of that's the way they're thinking. If you get him, you guarantee, not guarantee, but you assure yourself more of a chance to win a couple in a row than you do if you stand pat. I just think it's funny when teams who had just won are ready to break it up as soon as that, but I guess you're talking about one of the greatest players who ever lived. All right, coming up next, 
Mark Ziegler joins the show as we get back into what's going to happen in the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and the Big 12. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. So we don't have Mark Ziegler at the moment. So as we sit here and, and hope that Mark Ziegler uh, is awake and answers the phone at some point here. Going I right did want to voicemail with this kid. You know, the, wow. the weird part about this kid is about right off the show, kid, kid tweets me or texts me, Padres five and a half back, only three games out of being in the playoffs. You got to be happy. Can you imagine <laughs> if they don't make the playoffs despite having the number five payroll in baseball? <laughs> and now... The kid's phone's going right to voicemail. He sent you that like at 7 o'clock when sure. the show was starting? Why wouldn't he? Oh. Yeah, of course. He's on a different time. He just got back from Croatia. Oh, we got him. Hold on a second. Okay. My okay. goodness. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, at least you knew he was awake. Yeah. 7 o'clock. Texting so, about the Padres. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. What else are you going to do we got him. that early in the morning? All right. Joining us now from the San Diego Union-Tribune is Mark Ziegler. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? The phone. Doing great. Trying yeah, to figure you... out what the heck's going on in college sports. Well, so is everybody else. Um, are you surprised that it looks like the Mountain West might be in a better spot to survive than the Pac-12 right now? <laughs> you know, I don't know if you can say that yet. I mean, it's certainly to survive, but uh, I don't know what that really means. I, I think the... Um, you know, this was always going to be inevitable because, you know, college sports is one of those things where, you know, they operate now, they do really operate in a market economy according to the principles of capitalism and, and you know, what we, the economic rules that we live by in the United States. And um, this is just, you know, what happens when you have a market economy, the, the, the rich get richer and they, and they merge and, you know, they merges and acquisitions and, and uh, and the weak suffer, and this, you know the Pac-12 was becoming a weaker and weaker conference, and and this is what happens to the weak. Uh, Big Twelve supposedly now going after six more uh, uh, Pac-12 teams. Uh, we discussed this earlier. Is this more so just to destroy the Pac-12, more so than them adding teams to try to get as big as they can because of the Big Ten and the SEC? Are they trying to just get rid of a conference to kind of remain where they're at? Well, what's happened now is you have your two super conferences, right? You used to have a Power Five. Now you have a Power Two that at the top of the Big Big Ten and the SEC. And then the next three, the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, are fighting for that number three slot. And I think what they figured out is none of them can be sort of number three on their own, and they, and they need to merge with another and push that extra team, the leftover, I mean, leftover conference, out of the picture. So at first, you know, the Big 12 is coming, trying to raid the Pac-12. Then the Pac-12 uh, yesterday announces, oh, we're going to start media negotiations. And it seemed like a weird statement to put out when you don't even know who's going to be in your conference. But what that is is ESPN, which, you know, controls the ACC, is looking around going, oh, my gosh, we, we locked up the ACC till 2036, and we're going to have this league that's going to be number four once, once the Pac-12 and Big 12 maybe get together. We can't have that. So they uh, have gone to the Pac-12, uh, and they have exclusive um, negotiating rights because they currently are a partner, uh, and said, let's put something together with the Pac-12 and the ACC and push the Big 12 out of the picture. And so that's kind of what's going on right now. I mean, the, the, these three are fighting amongst each other, and the SEC and the Big Ten are sitting back laughing at it. And, and what's ultimately going to happen is the SEC and the Big Ten 
can make a preemptive strike or they can wait for them to sort of form some affiliation and then they can just blow it all up by taking Clemson uh, and maybe into the SEC or Miami or Florida State or North Carolina or from the Pac-12, you just go poach Oregon and Washington and now you blow up that whole model. So uh, this is going to be really fascinating to sit on the sidelines and watch. I don't think it's very good for college sports, but it's fascinating viewing. Listen, that is the funniest scenario I've heard is let the Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC figure out how they want to merge or align, and then one of them just takes Oregon, Washington, and Clemson, and Florida State. Like, that would be, like you said, probably not good, but I think that would be hilarious if they waited for all this to happen and then just take the four best schools from the new aligned conferences. Yeah, I mean, well, they could do it as a preemptive strike, or they could just wait and sit and let's see what the landscape's going to look like, and then let's, uh, let's kneecap them. I mean, that's kind of the way the mob works, and that's kind of how they're going to work. I mean, they're a cartel. They're, they're in control right now. And, and, uh, and so I think a lot of people are looking at this and just saying, okay, let's see, what's the Pac-12 going to do? What's the ACC going to do? What's the Big, Big 12 going to do? And they forget that they don't have the power. The power is with the Big 10 and the SEC, and, and the landscape will look the way they want it to look. Let's see. If, is Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher the Don? I would think it's Nick Saban. I would think it's Nick Saban. Greg Sankey, he's the Don right now. I mean, you know, also going on at the same time is the NCAA is trying to figure out what it's going to look like. And so it formed this transformation committee, right? And they're going to figure out what the rules are going to look like going forward. They're going to maybe slim down the rule book and, you know, in this new era of NIL. Um, and, and Greg Sankey, oh, the, the head of the SEC, is running this thing. <laughs> And it's, it's, you look at this, thing, and I've, I've talked to a number, number of ADs, and they, they're like, what are you gonna, why is this guy running this thing and, and charting our, our future? This is a disaster, and it, it really is. And so I think, you know, in a year from now, the, the whole landscape of college sports, the NCAA, whether it's the rules, whether it's the conferences, is going to look completely different. And the next thing that's going to happen, uh, and, and the reason why it's so significant what happened to UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten and forming the two power. Conferences. They're both going to get schools about $100 million a year uh, from TV rights um, contracts. And the other ones are going to get like $30 million a year, maybe 35 Okay, so that's, that's, that's a significant amount of money. And when you multiply that by like 10 years, you know, that's going to be like a $700 million difference per school between the top tier and the next tier. So how are they going to spend that money? Or what they're going to do is they're going to start paying athletes. And so you're going to get paid the most money in those two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC. And now you have the transfer portal. So uh, if you go back in history and you look at the Premier League in soccer, right, the Premier League formed out of, uh, in England out of the FA where they were distributing money kind of equally like they do in the NCAA right now. And you had the top clubs said, wait a minute, we want a bigger piece of this pie. We're going to break away and form our own Premier League and keep all those revenues. But we'll have a promotion and relegation allow a few teams to come up and a few teams to go down every year. Well, there's going to be no promotion and relegation, but there really is still going to be promotion and relegation because of the transfer portal. It will happen with players. You know, if you're, you really want to go play in the Big Ten, the SEC, because you're going to make the most money in salary in NIL, but you can't get there right now, so you're going to play at a pack a Pac-12 school or a Big 12 school or a ACC school, and hopefully you do really well, and they just come grab you, and then you go make the big money. And that's what's going to happen. What do you think happens at the end of the day for the Mountain West? Does anybody end up getting an invite to a better conference? Do they end up staying as is? Does like What's the end game for the Mountain West? 
Well, I think the best scenario for the Mountain West is for the Pac-12 to blow up and then to absorb uh, the leftovers, either as part of the Mountain West or maybe as a new reformed conference. Because I'm not sure the leftovers are going to want to say, hey, yeah, we're going to the Mountain West. I mean, I just don't think their egos out of Cal or Stanford could handle that. I think uh, what they would say is, we'll take your best, you know, six teams and maybe we'll add a Memphis and, you know, someone else an SMU or something, and we'll form our own little conference and try to be in that next tier. Uh, and, and they would be able to swallow that a little bit easier. Uh, so you could also see the Mountain West break up uh, if, if the dominoes fall that way. Um, you know, in terms of a Mountain West school getting plucked uh, by a power conference right now, I don't think it happens just because it, none of the Mountain West schools bring enough added TV value. Right now, um, the Pac-12 schools are looking at about $30 million a year, which is a reduction from what they thought they were going to get or what they have previously gotten. Um, and that's enough pain for them. If you add a San Diego State or Boise, I mean, their value has been looked at between, you know, three to five, maybe eight million in the case of Boise, if it's really, really optimistic. Why are they adding that? I mean, that's just another mouth to feed. And, you know, you go from 30 million a year with 10 teams. Now you're looking at maybe like 20, Five or twenty-six million per team. If you add, get to twelve. So I don't know that that those schools bring enough, and that's all that matters right now is, is eyeballs and and TV value. It has nothing to do with geography. It has nothing to do with winning. It has nothing to do with the size of your school. Uh, it, none of that matters. It's just what you can do. It, you know, the TV networks are driving this thing. So I, I think I don't see those schools getting plucked. Maybe maybe out of desperation, the Pac-12. You know, gets Boise State and San Diego State, but I think the more likely scenario is wait for the Pac-12 to fall apart and then you know get the leftovers. And I don't think it would look a whole lot different than the original Mountain West did when you had TCU, BYU, and Utah in it. You know, it was a good league, and this would be a decent you know lower level league. You uh, you talked to me yesterday about UNLV. You actually thought UNLV might be one of the more attractive schools if in fact Mountain West schools were poached. Why is that? Well, if I'm if I'm the Pac-12, and someone says, you have to add two schools. Uh, I'd probably add San Diego State. I think, you know, they got a new stadium. They, you know, they have, they have a good football team, a, a good basketball team. It's a big school. It's growing. It's popular. Uh, it's well-situated. You know, okay, I take them. Who's my next team that I take? Well, Boise State has that reputation, but I think Boise State largely is living off uh, a Statue of Liberty play from, you know, more than a decade ago. I mean, I, I don't really see that the market isn't there. And I look at UNLV and what they've done with the football program uh, in terms of the infrastructure, not what they've done on the field. Obviously, it's terrible still. But I look at it, you know, you, you can't get caught up in, I just want a school because they're winning now. I mean, hey, the coach leaves or they have some kind of scandal or something, and next thing you know, they're no good anymore. You have to look at the, the infrastructure and the bones of the building, and I think UNLV really has it. It has a, it has a really uh, a good city that everyone wants to be in right now, the hottest sports market in the country. Uh, everybody, everyone's playing games there or tournaments there. They want to be there, so it'd be great to have a, a, a school, a member of your conference in that league. And then you look what they've done with the football offices. Now they play in a really, really nice stadium. Uh, there's a lot of basketball history there, and you know everything else doesn't matter. Those are the main things. And so I, I probably would take UNLV second on that list, or maybe even first. I think it's got a lot of potential. I know that's not really a popular thing. Uh, to say, but I, I really think there's some potential there down the road that you put them in a good conference, they have better recruiting um, possibilities. I, I think they could get there in football. Well, he is Mark Ziegler from the San Diego Union Tribune. Mark, we appreciate it this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. All right, I'll talk to you guys. Take care.
So Mark Ziegler from the San Diego Union Tribune, and now he can get back to uh, texting you about the Padres and yes, how much they're yes, going to keep absolutely. losing. Absolutely. Oh, he's yeah. on. He's on the same page. <laughs> Kids on the same page with me. All right, coming up next. Uh, are the Seahawks just like not interested in Baker Mayfield now? All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. A little bit of NFL here on a early July Wednesday, but uh, Ian Rappaport was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, and he said that the Seahawks have never been interested in Baker Mayfield. Have we Have we completely lost it on Drew Locke and not knowing something about him? That he's a superstar, apparently? That he's apparently really <laughs> a superstar, that he's apparently competent? Um <laughs> I don't I don't get this at all. Never interested. So they said we have Drew Locke. We don't even need to be interested. We don't even need to look at film. We don't even need to talk to people. We don't need to have anything to do with Baker Mayfield because we have Drew Locke. What am I missing here? I don't know. I'm as confused as you are. I, like I just, it'd be it'd be one thing if it was like we don't want to trade what the Browns want for Baker Mayfield, right? If they were like, Yeah, we don't want to give up a second round pick or whatever. But to say they they've never been interested in Baker Mayfield makes zero zero sense. sense. Yeah. Like what? Like why wouldn't they have been interested? Like if they called the Browns today and said, "Hey, what do you want?" and the Browns said, "Well, we'll do a sixth round pick." Yeah. You're not why, doing that? Why wouldn't Seattle do that? I can't think of a reason why they wouldn't unless like you said Drew Locke is secretly about to be the best quarterback in the NFC West next year. Yeah, I'm not holding the breath on that one. <laughs> My goodness. I I don't get this. Um, I'd love to know why. I, we've all seen Drew Locke play. Maybe, like I said, maybe we're missing something. I don't think so. I think we know what we see. And for them not to be even interested in Baker Mayfield makes absolutely zero sense. It, it makes no sense that at some point they didn't discuss. And here's the thing. I know even Rappaport said that, but... I just can't believe at some point they weren't sitting around the room and someone said, well, what about Baker? Right. Like, I, there's just no way that didn't happen. Maybe. Maybe the thought process for Seattle is, hey, we're not going to be very good this year, whether we have Baker, Mayfield, Geno Smith, or Drew Lockett quarterback. So let's just go with the worst option and try to lose as many games as possible. <laughs> so now we know what they really pick. think about Drew Locke. Right, like I, maybe there's the slight chance that they sat around and said, you know, we could add Baker Mayfield. He'd probably be better than any quarterback be, we have. But what would that do? Take us from a five-win team to a seven-win team? Like they might have thought, had that thought process and thought, yeah, that's not worth it. We don't want to be a seven-win team because you shouldn't want to be a seven-win team. No. That to me is like the most logical thing, but the one problem with that is Pete Carroll's like 98 years old, and I can't imagine Pete Carroll yeah, being on board Yeah, is he sitting there with, saying, I want a full rebuild? Right. I can't imagine him being on board with, yeah, let's throw away a season when I have like four left. I don't know, right. maybe he's got more than that because he's, you know, runs around like he's 27, not 72. But like, I, that, I don't know. That to me is the most logical reason to be like, yeah, we don't want Baker Mayfield is because you know adding Baker is going to give you seven wins instead, instead of, five. of four and, and, and mess up with your draft pick. Right. And that's not really something that helps you. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand other than in, if, if you're right, that they want to, 
they want to have a, a full rebuild, but there's no way he would want that at this point in his career. Why would he buy into that? Why would he accept that? You, you know, like you said, he's Pete Carroll's low 70s. He's 72, 73? I, yeah, I don't know exactly. I was a little surprised they traded Russell Wilson because of that thought process, right? That why would Pete Carroll trade away a quarterback so, that he could potentially win okay, with? Pete Carroll's 70. 70? Yeah. Okay. So... But they ended up trading away Russell Wilson. Maybe Pete Carroll's on board for another five years, and he thinks, hey, we take one year off, and then 2023, we're bouncing back and good to go. Um, one other thing on Baker Mayfield, uh, Mina Kimes on NFL Live yesterday, she said that Baker Mayfield returning to Cleveland should be like a consideration for Baker Mayfield. I was going to say, and probably her- consideration for Cleveland because they don't know when how right. long Deshaun Watson's going to be out. And her logic was basically, hey, what is best for Baker Mayfield, right? Obviously, nobody wants him right now at a, at a decent price. So what's best for Baker Mayfield's career? And her logic was simply, if Deshaun Watson suspended for a long time, going back to Cleveland for a team that should be pretty good, probably not Super Bowl contenders, but should be playoff level good, and playing well this year, that might be what gets Baker Mayfield back on track as a starting quarterback yeah. somewhere else in 2023. Yeah, put yourself back in the field so someone can really uh, want you. But he might be so hurt by that situation that he just says no.